In this video, we're going over the category herbs that tonify yin. This is the last section in our very large category of tonifying herbs. As always, we'll start by talking about the signs and symptoms that are associated with yin deficiency. Then we'll talk about the individual herbs. And finally, we'll go over some formulas where these herbs pop up. If you'd like to follow along, there are slides and flashcards. The link to download those are below. And there you'll also find a practice test. And this is going to be a fairly long video because we're going into a lot of detail about each of the individual herbs. If you're studying for a big test like finals, year ends, or boards, and you want more of a quick review where we just hit on the key points of each herb, be sure to check out the single herb review course. There's a link to that below as well, and we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the video. So with herbs at tonifying yin, we're treating yin deficiency. And so what does yin deficiency look like? Well, technically we can have yin deficiency in all of these different systems. So if we have lung yin deficiency, we might say, see things like dry cough with little phlegm. Remember when we talk about yin, we're also talking about the fluids. So the fluids could be dried out. So we get a dry cough. And when the fluids dry out, the, the, that can turn into like thick, difficult to expect rate phlegm. So either a dry cough with no phlegm, or if there is phlegm, it's going to be that dry, scanty, difficult to get out type of phlegm. We can have thirst. Um, we can maybe think about this as the lung regulates the water passages. So if we have lung yin deficiency, we might see things like thirst. Dry throat, dry skin. Again, we just have a lack of fluid. So we see general signs of dryness. And you can think that um, sometimes we say that the throat is the gateway to the lung. And so sometimes when you get like an external attack of wind heat, it can it can sit there and stagnate and turn into heat toxicity. And we get that soul, uh, sore, swollen throat. Uh, so that's why I say the throat is the gateway to the lung. And then remember the lung governs the exterior. It governs the, the skin and the body here. So we might see dry skin in cases of lung yin deficiency. And then we can actually even have coughing up blood if the dryness is extreme enough. And so one way you can think about this, if there's just a little bit of dryness, maybe you have a dry cough or you're, uh, the, there's scanty phlegm that's difficult to expectorate, but the dryness is so great we can actually get coughing up of blood. And why I think about this is sometimes like if your skin gets really dry, you have really dry hands, it can the skin can start to crack and you can actually get bleeding due to dryness. And so the same thing can be happening in your lungs, that if your lungs get so dry, it's like the inside starts to crack and you get bleeding in the lungs, so we see coughing up blood. We can have stomach yin deficiency, and some of this might look a little bit um, similar, but remember we say that the stomach is the source of fluids. So again, with stomach yin deficiency, we're going to see some signs of uh, dryness as well. So lack of appetite, if there's not enough uh, yin nourishing the stomach, then you might have lack of appetite. Irritability, just like you're hot and bothered. Uh, again, thirst. Like we said, the stomach is the source of fluids. So if you have stomach yin deficiency or dryness in the stomach, you can have thirst. Other signs of dryness like dry mouth. Here we're, just, we're specifically saying dry mouth instead of dry throat. I'm not sure there's a huge difference. And we can also see constipation. You can maybe think that the stomach and the large intestine form the yang ming pair. And so if there's dryness in that system, we'll also have dry stools, difficult to pass stools or constipation. Technically, we can also have something called spleen yin deficiency. And this is a little bit weird because normally we say that the stomach is averse to heat and averse to dryness, but the spleen um, 
it likes warmth and it uh, it likes dryness. So spleen yin deficiency seems a little bit weird. Normally, when we talk about yin deficiency in the middle jaw, we're going to go to the stomach, but. When we do say spleen yin deficiency, this is a dual vacuity of spleen chi and spleen yin. So we're going to see signs of spleen chi deficiency plus some signs of dryness. And really, it just looks very similar to stomach yin deficiency. So again, poor appetite, constipation because there's not enough fluids. And then we specifically say dry lips. I think the in terms of the sense organs of the face, we can say the spleen goes to the mouth or to the lips. So we can say dry lips. But again, this is a kind of a bit of a more unusual pattern. Not every book mentions spleen yin deficiency. So like if you're in Machi Ocha, he does not have a pattern called spleen yin deficiency. But some books will talk about spleen yin deficiency, but it's it's a very weird kind of thing. Just know that we're talking about spleen chi deficiency and yin deficiency. We can have liver yin deficiency. And so a lot of these signs and symptoms are going to look similar to liver blood deficiency. You can think that blood is the yin substance that belongs to the liver. So a lot of th these things are going to look the same. So we can have dry eyes and poor night vision. The liver goes to the eyes. If there's not enough liver blood nourishing the eyes, we'll end up with eye problems. If there's not enough liver yin going to the eyes, we'll end up with a similar problem. Same thing, dizziness, tinnitus. Now, if there's not enough yin going up to the head, to the sense organs, we can get things like dizziness, tinnitus, dry nails. We said the sinews, uh, the liver governs the sinews. So if there's not enough liver yin moistening the sinews, we can the sinews can dry out and we get spasm and cramping. But also the nails are the surplus of the sinews. So we could also see dry nails. And so all of these things look they're very, they have a lot of overlap with liver blood deficiency. So a lot of people will ask, how do we know the difference between liver yin deficiency and liver blood deficiency? And really it's going to come down to temperature. That with liver yin deficiency, we'll see a low grade sensation of heat or we'll see heat signs in the tongue and pulse. And so usually with liver blood deficiency, the liver blood has a function of warming the body. And so if a person has blood deficiency, they're more likely to feel cold in temperature. Technically, there are some patterns where we have liver blood deficiency with heat signs, like in the formula Dongwei Bushui Tong. But for the most part, when you have liver blood deficiency, the patient feels cold. But when you have liver yin deficiency, the patient will feel warm. And so the signs and symptoms look the same, but the temperature is different. But along with that, with this liver yin deficiency, if the liver yin is not anchoring the yang, that yang can start to uh, rise upward. So we can call that liver yang rising or hyperactive ascent of liver yang. And so we'll just see more symptoms in the upper body of this yang going up into the head. So we'll see things like vertigo, tinnitus, because all this yang is swirling up in your head, dry mouth and throat because we're going upwards, and then insomnia. So... Those are the things we can see with, we can just have pure liver yin deficiency and see some of these dryness and heat signs, or when that liver yin is deficient, the yang is no longer rooted and it starts to ascend in an abnormal amount. And then we can also have kidney yin deficiency. Like we said before, the kidneys are the root of all yin and yang in the body. So pretty much any type of yin deficiency is going to involve the kidneys. So we can see things like, again, dizziness and tinnitus, um, you can think that the kidneys go to the ears. The sense organ of the kidney is the ear. So we might see certain ear problems if there's not enough kidney in. Weak low back and legs. Again, the kidneys are in the lower back and they govern the lower jaw. They govern the lower body and specifically the knee. So we'll see weakness in the low back. And then we can have weakness or soreness in the legs or knees. 
heat in the palms and soles. We call this five center heat or heat in the five hearts. So we can have heat in the palms of the hands, heat in the soles of the feet, and then heat in the chest or in the center. And so we call that five center heat. I'm actually not entirely sure. I've never, I've never heard a good explanation as to what the mechanism for this is. I'm not sure if it's just like you have yin deficiency and you're hot. Um, what, what I sometimes think about it is that if there's not enough kidney yin, it's not anchoring the, the yang inward. And so just like we can have yang that floats to the surface here with five center heat, we, we have a yang that's going to the extremities, to the palms and the soles. So sometimes with kidney yang deficiency, we talk about inversion cold of the limbs, where if you have yang deficiency, there's not enough yang going out into the, the hands and feet. Well, here I think about yin deficiency, that we don't have enough yin anchoring that yang backwards. So that yang is floating out and you get warm palms and soles. I'm not sure if that's a real thing, but that's kind of how I think about it. Uh, so we call that five center heat, heat in the palms and the soles. And then the fifth one is heat in the chest. We're going to have afternoon or low grade fever. And so this is just kind of a more generalized sensation of warmth. With yin deficiency, things usually happen in the afternoon or at nighttime just because those are the yin times of day. So if your yin is sufficient, it can't control the yang, and so you end up things with afternoon low-grade fever. One thing that we don't mention here but is still very common is we can talk about um, tidal fever, like a fever that rises and falls like the tides. Basically, this is like hot flashes. We might say this is more of a heat sign than a yin deficiency sign. And then uh, sometimes with this heat in the palms and soles, we'll also use the term malar flush, like your face is getting red because you have the heat. And again, you can you can maybe think about women going through menopause. Night sweats is another common one. Again, sweating that happens at night because nighttime is the yin time of day. If your yin is deficient, it can't control the fluids, and so it leaks out. Um, or it just your yin is deficient, so you feel more hot, and so you get hot and sweaty. And then remember, the kidney controls fluid transformation, especially in the lower jaw. The kidney transforms the fluids and uh, produces uh, the urine. So we can see scanty urine, as in a small amount of urine, or it's going to be dark in color rather than being clear, like with, with kidney yang deficiency. Sometimes we say long voidings of clear urine. So you're like you have profuse urination or you're peeing a lot and the urine is clear in color. Well, here with yin deficiency, because we don't have enough fluids, we're gonna have scanty urination, a small amount, and it's gonna be darker in color. You, sometimes we say a dark red color, indicating there's heat or just not enough. Another interesting one, loose teeth can be specifically a sign of yin deficiency. You can think that the kidney governs the bones and your teeth are bones. So that's one of the things that happens. We will see that come up in one or two formulas that specifically talk about loose teeth due to kidney yin deficiency. And then we may have talked about this before in another category, but steaming bone disorder. Again, this might be more like the branch symptoms of heat rather than the root the root things you would see with kidney yin deficiency, but it does come up in some of our herbs here that if the if kidney yin is deficient and we have enough heat, it can start to feel like your bones are steaming. You have, uh, you may, sometimes the, the surface of the body feels cool, but you feel heat in your bones. So again, you can think that the kidneys govern the bones. If your kidney yin is so deficient that you have so much heat, it could start to feel like your bones are steaming. Uh, there are some other ones that we haven't mentioned here, like um, 
one one symptom specifically in men is uh, spermatorrhea or seminal emission. That if we have that heat due to kidney indeficiency, we can have the just loss of essence that the jing is just squirting out. So uh, one way I think about this is just if the kidneys are deficient, they fail in their function of containment and they can't hold the essence in and it starts to leak out. But another way I think about this specifically with kidney indeficiency I kind of start to think about, um, you know, we talk about heat is a cause of bleeding, that when heat gets into the blood, it can cause the blood to speed up so much that it begins to move recklessly or frenetically outside of the vessels, and that's bleeding. Well, here I think kind of the same thing is happening with the essence or with semen. That heat is getting in there, it's causing your jing to move recklessly, and it just spurts out when you don't want it to. So that could be a sign of kidney indeficiency specifically in men. And then um, uh, in women, we might have both, I guess, both men and women might have things like hyperactive sex drive or high libido and things like that. So a lot of signs with uh, kidney indeficiency, a lot of them having to do with heat. Technically, we can also have heart indeficiency as well. So we can see things like palpitations, uh, heat getting into the heart, insomnia, because the heat is uh, disturbing the shen or there's not enough yin to calm uh, calm your shen down, and profuse dreaming or um we also say dream disturbed sleep. And so technically we can have these things, we can have heart yin deficiency, but it turns out that we have another category called herbs that nourish the heart and calm the spirit. So when we're dealing with symptoms of heart yin deficiency, we have a separate category and we'll go to that category instead. So we might not see a lot of herbs in this category that deal specifically with heart yin deficiency. So even though we have, uh, we can have yin deficiency in all of these systems, when it comes to this category, we can roughly divide it into two. We can say there are herbs that tonify lung and stomach yin, and there are herbs that tonify liver and kidney yin, and we can kind of group it like that. And kind of the idea here is, remember we said that the lung has this function of regulating the water passages, and then we said the stomach is the source of fluids. So we talk about lung and stomach yin deficiency, we're more talking about dryness. So dryness, thirst, dry mouth, dry throat, dry cough, a lot of signs of dryness, and then we can also have irritability as well. When we're, but when we're talking about liver and kidney yin deficiency, we're talking... There's still some dryness, but we're also talking more about heat signs. So we had those things like five center heat, malar flush, tidal, tidal fever, low-grade afternoon fever, steaming bone disorder, a lot more signs of heat, but then we can also see things like dizziness and tinnitus. So sometimes there's some overlap here, but I think in general, we can divide this category up into the first half is about herbs that tonify lung and stomach yin and deal with dryness, thirst, irritability. And then the second half is herbs that tonify liver and kidney yin. And we're talking more about the true yin of the kidneys and we're dealing more with heat signs. We look at the tongue. The tongue is going to be red with little or no coat. It's red because of the heat. There's little or no coat because there's not enough yin fluids to form the coat. So it'll be a scanty coat or there might be no coat at all. Another thing that we don't say here, but we might see are cracks on the tongue can be a sign of yin deficiency or of dryness. And here, one way I think about this is, uh, think about if you have like a piece of bare soil, if the, if the soil is moist, it'll be nice and smooth on top. But if you start to have a drought and the soil dries out, um, 
as it dries out, it starts to form cracks along the surface just because um, as the moisture leaves, the, the soil contracts and you get cracks in the surface. The same thing is happening on your tongue. If you have yin deficiency or dryness, when that dries out the tongue, that can start to form cracks. And then sometimes when we get into tongue diagnosis, we'll talk about the location or the orientation of the cracks we can interpret in different ways. So like if you have small horizontal cracks, that might be stomach yin deficiency, or if you have a large center crack that goes to the root, that might be more like kidney yin deficiency. So that might be another thing we would see as cracks on the tongue indicating dryness. The pulse is going to be thin and rapid. When we say thin, we can say thin, fine, or thready. These are all different translations of the Chinese himai. And here we're talking about the diameter of the vessel, that there's not enough yin to fill the vessel, so the vessel is thin in diameter. The pulse is going to be rapid because we're dealing with heat. Yin deficiency is a heat condition, and heat causes the blood to speed up, so we feel a rapid pulse. Another thing we might feel here in the pulse is sometimes we say that the pulse is floating or superficial as well. And so here the idea is there's not enough yin to root the pulse downward, so it starts to float outward to the surface. So this can get a little bit confusing because normally when you talk about a floating pulse, we say that's a sign of an exterior condition, an exterior attack, or there's something going on on the outside of the body. But technically, we can also have a floating pulse indicating yin deficiency. So in both of these cases, the depth of the pulse is telling us where the chi is in the body. So if we have an exterior attack, the chi rises to the surface to meet it, and so we feel a floating pulse. But if we have yin deficiency, there's not enough yin to root the chi downward, so the chi kind of floats to the exterior, and so we feel the, uh, a floating pulse or a superficial pulse on the exterior. So tongue and pulse, red with a little coat, um, and a thin rapid pulse, we may also see cracks, or we may sometimes see a floating pulse as well. So here, here we have the slide. I think this I think this just summarizes everything that we talked about so far. I don't think we missed anything. When we look at the properties of the herbs, these herbs are of course going to be sweet in flavor because a sweet flavor tonifies and moistens. So that's what we're doing in this category is tonifying in and moistening dryness. So we use the sweet flavor to accomplish that. The temperature is going to be cold because yin things are cold in nature. If a person has yin deficiency, we're going to see heat signs. So when you want to use herbs that are cool or cold in temperature. So this is the one that, that sometimes people get mixed up on. They think that all tonifying herbs are warm in temperature. But when it comes to tonifying yin, those herbs are actually cool or cold in temperature. Entering channels are going to be uh, lung, stomach, liver, and kidney because those are the types of yin we're tonifying. Generally, we're tonifying lung and stomach yin or tonifying liver and kidney yin. Like we said, we can tonify heart yin and we can maybe tonify spleen yin, but in this category, we're usually looking at either lung and stomach yin deficiency or liver kidney yin deficiency. Main action, like we said, is to tonify yin and moisten dryness. So we're we're tonifying the yin, we're adding more substance to the yin, but we can also say that we're moistening dryness. So sometimes we say nourish yin or um, moisten dryness, things like that, because we're dealing with the dryness. Cautions and contraindications, like all herbs in this category, whenever we're dealing with sweet herbs or tonifying herbs, we have to worry that these herbs can be very sticky and cloying. They can easily cause digestive problems. They can easily cause middle jowl chi stagnation. So we have to be careful about this stagnating quality of these herbs. But here, in addition, 
not only are these herbs sweet and sticky, they're also cold in temperature. So we really have to be careful about um, damaging the spleen. The spleen doesn't like coldness, so we need to worry about both of those things. The sticky quality and the coldness can obstruct the spleen and stomach. So we're either going to combine it with other herbs that help with this, or we just want to pay attention um, to make sure that our patients are not having issues when they take these herbs, that these herbs can very easily damage the spleen. So again, um, I like when I learned this category, we divided it up into these uh, two sections of herbs that tonify lung and stomach in versus herbs that tonify liver and kidney in. As far as I know, I'm not sure the books actually do this. I know Bensky just gives us one long list of tonifying herbs. Um, I can't remember if Chen and Chen uh, makes this distinction or not. But basically, our, our first half, we're tonifying lung and stomach in. And here we're talking about body fluids or moistening dryness. So uh, when I was in school, my teacher from China went so far to make the statement that when we say tonify lung and stomach in, that statement is equivalent to saying generates body fluids, that those two things mean the same thing. So when we talk about... Um, Tonifying lung and stomach in, we're going to be talking about generating fluids to moisten dryness. When we talk about liver and kidney in, we're going to be talking more about those things like uh, five center heat, night sweats, a lot more heat signs as well. So that's where we're going with this category. And the first one is Sha Shen Glenii or Adenophore erratics. Sha Shen. There are two versions of Sha Shen one is Glenii erratics and one is Adenophore erratics. So Sha Shen tonifies lung in, like everything in this everything in this section. So for dry cough, dry mouth, and thirst. So if there's not enough yin in the lung, we'll of course get respiratory problems like a dry cough and also dry mouth and thirst because we don't have enough fluids. And then we can also say tonifies stomach yin and generates fluids. So this is for things like, again, dry mouth, thirst, and irritability. So here we can see that these symptoms of lung yin and stomach yin kind of overlap. We're just dealing with dryness, thirst, and irritability. So this, I went with the Bensky way, and he considers this two separate functions. Sometimes I would just say Shashan tonifies lung and stomach yin. And when you say tonifies lung and stomach yin, we mean generates body fluids to deal with things like thirst, dryness, and irritability. Um, so like we said, there are actually two types of Shashan. We have Bei Sha Shen and Nan Sha Shen. So Bei means north, so this is northern Sha Shen, and Nan means south, like southern Sha Shen. So it can actually have different properties depending on uh, where we're growing it. I kind of think of that about this like when you when you're growing grapes to make wine, it's not only the type of grape matters, but where the grape is grown can have an effect on it. So we sometimes have the same thing with Chinese herbs that depends on the region. Um, so Bei Sha Shen is northern Sha Shen, Nan Sha Shen is southern Sha Shen. So Bei Sha Shen is better at tonifying yin, especially stomach yin and generating fluid, whereas Nan Sha Shen is better at treating phlegm. So when you have that yin deficiency dries out those fluids and it kind of congeals into phlegm, so we have the dry cough with difficult to expectorate phlegm, then non sha shen is, is better for that. It has a slightly, it's a little bit more bitter, so it can deal with those um, phlegm heat signs. So uh, some people say that uh, non sha shen tonifies lung qi as well, so we're tonifying both lung qi and lung yin. But generally, the, the way that Bensky summarizes this is we say that 
or febrile diseases that have damaged the fluids. And so we have uh, stomach yin deficiency and thirst as a main symptom. Use Bei Sha Shen to, generate, to regenerate those fluids. But if we have chronic cough due to lung yin deficiency, uh, especially if there's some phlegm in there because of that dryness, then use non Sha Shen. So those are the, the two types, the northern and the southern. Again, to me, there's not a whole lot of difference between those, but it is very common that when you go into an herbal clinic, you'll have an option for both Bei Sha Shen and non Sha Shen. But generally, if we just say Sha Shen, you should assume that we mean Bei Sha Shen. So if someone just says Sha Shen, we mean the northern variety. So that's Sha Shen. And the name means sand root. So shen means root. We've seen this before with like ren shen, dong shen. That shen means root. Sha means sand. You can think like when you do gua sha, the scraping technique, that sha means sand. So sha shen is sand root. It's a root that's kind of sandy in color. Next is mai men dong ophiopogonus radix. Mai men dong Ophiopogonus radix. Um, and then sometimes the, the that middle word men is optional. So sometimes you will just say my dong, which I think is kind of funny. So my dong, Ophiopogonus radix. This one tonifies lung yin, like we saw before. So for dry cough, cough with thick phlegm because the, the yin deficiency has caused the fluids to congeal, or even coughing up blood. If that dryness uh, gets into the lungs, if there's yin deficiency, the lung can dry out so much that it's like it cra- that you get cracks and you get bleeding. So we can have coughing up blood as well. So by moistening that dryness, we can help with that situation. We can also say it tonifies stomach yin as well for dry mouth and dry tongue. Again, the stomach is a source of fluids. So when we have stomach yin deficiency, we'll see dryness. We even talk about the coating on the tongue. That coating on the tongue is the turbid yin of the stomach that comes up and mists the tongue. So if we have stomach yin deficiency, that that yin is not coming up to uh, moisten the tongue. So we get dry tongue specifically. So again, this is another one where you could just say it tonifies lung and stomach yin. And here we're talking about dryness, thirst, and cough. The other thing we should remember is Mai Mendong clears heart heat as well. And so this is for certain Shen problems due to heat entering the heart. So for irritability and fever that worsens at night. So this is one that it's most people, it's very easy to remember that Mai Mendong tonifies lung and stomach yin. But we also need to remember that Mai Mendong has an action of clearing heart heat as well. We will see this come up in certain formulas. Uh, for certain types of Shen disturbance when the kidney and heart are not communicating. Sometimes we'll use Mai Mendong to clear that heart heat to deal with the, things like irritability and insomnia. And then uh, Mai Mendong also moistens the large intestine for constipation due to dryness. And so again, we can think about this going along with the stomach, that the stomach and the large intestine form the Yang Ming pair. And so in addition to moistening the lungs, moistening the stomach, we also moisten the large intestine for constipation due to dryness. So Mai Mendong, the name, again, uh, Dong means winter. So we can say Mai Mendong means luxuriant winter, but Dong means winter. We saw this before with like uh, Dong Guatze is winter melon seed, or we said uh, Dong Chong Xia Cao, uh, winter bug, summer herb. So Dong means winter. And then uh, Mai Mendong, luxuriant winter. Uh, I think here, so the word men means gate, and I think... I think what happened here is there there was an earlier word that meant like 
uh, lush or a certain type of plant. And over time, that that character, I don't know what the word is, like got bastardized or there were people who were who were, who were not so literate. And so when they when they copied down the character, they copied it down wrong. They it sounded like men, but the character was slightly different. And so it eventually just turned into the word men for gate. But that doesn't actually mean anything. Um so my men can mean sometimes we translate it as luxuriant winter. And that's why we can also sometimes drop the men in the middle and just say my dong for Ophiopagonus radix, tonifies lung and stomach in, but then also remember it clears heart heat as well to treat certain shen problems. After that is Xiang Shen, Panacus quincifolii radix. Xiang Shen, Panacus quincifolii radix. Uh, we talked about this one before. This is American ginseng. And so this one, some books will put this in the tonify chi category and consider it very similar to renshen, uh, ginseng radix. Other books will put this in the tonify yin category because it has a better action of cooling and moistening. So in Bensky, he puts this in the tonify yin category, but it still has an action of tonifying qi because this is still ginseng. We consider this a type of ginseng. So it still does have this very good, very reliable action of tonifying qi. But even more than that, it also has an action of tonifying yin as well. And we say tonify yin, we're mostly talking about lung yin. So tonifying lung yin and generating fluids. And so here we can have heat from yin deficiency. If we have yin deficiency and there's heat signs, we have this cool moistening herb. Uh, this can be heat in the aftermath of a febrile disease. So you have an exterior attack of wind heat or you have heat that heat that penetrates through the four levels of the wen bing and you get these really severe heat signs that can dry out the yin and dry out the fluids. And so here we can um, use it for yin deficiency when that yin has been damaged by an exterior pathogen. So weakness, irritability, and thirst. And then we can also say just for general qi, uh, lung qi, and lung yin deficiency. So because of this does both, it's tonifying qi and tonifying yin as well. So for a cough, especially like a chronic dry cough, we can have coughing up blood. Again, if there's enough dryness in the lung, that can cause bleeding, like the lung is having little cracks, or loss of voice or hoarseness by uh, tonifying lung yin. So Xiangchen, American ginseng, Kind of similar to what we said about Renshen. Remember when you talked about uh, Renshen, regular ginseng or Chinese ginseng, we said that it, it has a very powerful action of tonifying qi. It tonifies the primal qi or the source qi. So it can be used for conditions of collapse or abandonment. But we also said that Xiangshen has a very good moistening quality as well, that it can tonify yin and it can generate fluids. Turns Xiangshen is similar, but it's better at tonifying yin. So if we wanted to compare Xiangshen and Renshen, we would say that there are three main differences. That Xiangshen is not as good as Renshen at tonifying qi. Renshen, we said it tonifies the primal qi. It can uh, help you from collapse. Xiangshen isn't so strong at tonifying qi, but Xiangshen is better than Renshen at tonifying yin and generating fluids. So if we if we wanted that aspect of it for uh, the aftermath of a febrile disease when the yin has been damaged or things like that. And Xiangshen is a better choice. And then number three, there's also a temperature difference. Whereas Renshen is warm in temperature, Xiangshen is actually slightly cold in temperature. 
because it's better at tonifying yin. And sometimes what this means is it can be easier to take xiang shen long term. That if we're taking regular ren shen long term because we want to uh, boost our qi, especially if we're taking like a Korean red ginseng, that can create a lot of heat and create some heat signs or create some dryness. So we have to worry about taking ren shen long term. Whereas xiang shen, because it's more cool in temperature and it tonifies yin, we don't have to worry about those side effects as much. So it might be better to take Xiang Shen if you're taking it long term. And the name Xiang Shen means Western foreign root because it comes from America. I think the best quality is grown in Wisconsin. After that is Tianmen Dong, Asparagi Radix. Tianmen Dong, Asparagi Radix. This is asparagus tuber. I'll be honest, I, I don't actually know what a tuber is. I'm assuming it's it's the root of asparagus rather than the spears of asparagus that you get in the store, but I, I honestly don't know. It's Tianmen Dong. So Tianmen Dong tonifies lung and stomach yin. And this is maybe a little bit controversial when I, I like to say tonifies lung and stomach yin, but we're mainly talking about lung yin. So if you're using Bensky and you're following along in Bensky, he does not mention the stomach. He just says tonifies lung yin. And when, it, when you look at the entering channels, it says kidney and lung. There are other books that will say it tonifies both lung and stomach yin, and they'll have the entering channels will include the stomach. So if you're going very strictly by Bensky and you want to be able to differentiate this from the other herbs, we should just say that Tianmen Dong tonifies lung yin. However, I tend to think that lung and stomach yin go together. There are other books that will specifically say this tonifies stomach yin as well. So I just say tonifies lung and stomach yin. But we're still seeing those lung signs like dry mouth, cough, cough with thick phlegm, or cough with blood-streaked sputum. So Tianmen Dong tonifies lung yin as well. And here the name is similar to Mai Mendong, and so they, they gave it this name because it has similar functions to Mai Mendong. So Mai Mendong and Tian Mendong have a similar name, similar functions. What differentiates them though is that Tian Mendong also tonifies kidney yin as well. So notice this one enters the kidney channel as, kidney channel as well because it's tonifying kidney yin for things like wasting and thirsting disorder, low-grade afternoon fever that we talked about in the beginning, or even constipation due to dryness. So remember wasting and thirsting disorder, we said this in, in Chinese, this is called xiao ke, and it's very similar to diabetes, a, a modern diagnosis of diabetes. We say wasting and thirsting because it's like you feel really thirsty and you drink a lot of fluids, but you can't retain the fluids, you just immediately pee them out. And because you're bringing in fluids, but they go right through you, you're, you start to waste away. And so when we talk about shao ke, it can involve different things where you can have upper jiao shao ke, where the main symptom is thirst. We can have middle jiao shao ke, where the main symptom is hunger. We can have lower jiao shao ke, where the main symptom is polyuria or profuse urination. And so I think we mentioned this before that these herbs that enter both the lung and the kidney channel are very useful because they're taking care of the thirst from the upper upper jowl and they're taking care of the profuse urination from the lower jowl. So a lot of these herbs that enter both the kidney and lung channel are very useful for wasting and thirsting disorder or dissipation thirst. So Tianmen Dong um, uh, means heavenly gate winter. So again, Dong means winter. Men technically means gate, but again, I think this was like, it. Uh, the original Chinese character was just a word for a, a type of lush 
bushy plant. And then over time, it got morphed into character for Gate. So Heavenly Gate Winter, I think, sounds kind of funny. I think it's really just um, they they chose a name that was similar to Mai Mendong because it has similar functions. And so they just called it Tian Mendong instead. So Mai Mendong and Tian Mendong, similar functions, tonify both lung and stomach yin. But we should remember that Mai Mendong uh, clears heart heat, uh, also moistens the large intestine, whereas Tian Mendong is good for kidney yin as well. So if you remember Tian Mendong, think about lung, both lung yin and kidney yin. Um, maybe a way I remember this is I know that Tian means heaven. So sometimes I think about pre-heaven essence and post-heaven essence, and that has to do with the kidneys. So for some reason, the word heaven to me has, or heavenly has something to do with the kidneys. So that's kind of how I remember that Tian Mendong tonifies kidney yin as well. After that is sure who Dendrobi Herba. Sure who Dendrobi Herba. This is Dendrobi. So sure who tonifies stomach yin specifically. And this one, notice it does not enter the lung channel. So for this one, we're talking more specifically about stomach yin deficiency. So things like damage to the fluids in the aftermath of a febrile disease, like you get a, a wind heat attack or that heat penetrates through the four levels, that heat starts to damage the yin over time. So even after you expel the pathogen, you can have this leftover yin deficiency or damage to the fluids. So things like severe thirst is a sign of uh, stomach heat or stomach yin deficiency, fever and dry mouth and throat. So again, here we're talking about stomach yin deficiency. The stomach is the source of fluids. So we see a lot of dryness and thirst. But, this, but then this one also has an action of tonifying kidney yin as well. So things like a low grade fever or an afternoon fever or a sensation of heat and a dry throat. And then important to point out that Shurhu also has an action of brightening the eyes for diminished visual acuity due to liver and kidney yin deficiency. So this one, I think in the books, this is important enough that it has, it stands out as its own function. So I probably should have put this as number three, brightens the eyes, because this is a very important function of Shurhu, but we're saying it tonifies yin to brighten eyes. So I just, I just put it under the function of tonifying yin. But this is a very famous, very important action of Shurhu. So in the last category, we, we learned a few like Tusitsa brightens the eyes. Before that, we learned herbs like Gochitsa brightens the eyes. Well, now we have another very important one. Shurhu also brightens the eyes for um, uh, diminished for vision problems due to liver and kidney yin deficiency. So that's Shurhu. Again, shur means stone, hu means bushel. So this is stone bushel or bushel of stone. Why does it have that name? I don't know. But I would remember shur hu is for stomach yin, kidney yin, and brightening the eye. So maybe you can think that. I think so far this is the only one that starts with an S. So maybe you can think shur hu means, the S means stomach. So shur hu for stomach yin, that means dryness and thirst, but also kidney yin and especially brightening the eye. So that's shur hu. After that is Iju Polygonati Odorati Rhizoma. Iju Polygonati Odorati Rhizoma. And this is scented Solomon's seal or fragrant Solomon's seal. So in the Latin, we have that name, that word Odorati. So this is odiferous Solomon's seal or scented Solomon's seal. So you might remember in the other category, we learned Huangjing, which is polygonati rhizoma, and that's Siberian's Solomon seal. So here we're learning another one. So we have two, 
we have two types of Solomon seal. One is Huang Jing and one is Yuju. And just kind of a side rant, this is why I'm not really into learning the English names of herbs that a lot of people, they want to know the English name, they think that it makes it easier. But that just means it's very easy to get confused because like if you just said Solomon seal, we have two herbs with that name. Or you just say Angelica, we have three different types of Angelica. Or we say, oh, we're going to give them curcumin. It's like we learn several different types of curcumin and we use different parts of the plant. So curcumin could mean yujin, uju, or jianghuang. Uh, so that's why I just say, just use the Chinese name. You're learning Chinese medicine. Get used to learning the Chinese names. And that way, when you go to a Chinese pharmacy, you can just tell them the Chinese name and they'll know exactly what you're talking about. If you say Solomon Seal, people will get confused. They will be like, do you mean Yuju or do you mean Huang Jing? Anyway, Yuju, uh, scented Solomon Seal, tonifies lung and stomach yin. So here I just put them together into one one function tonifies lung and stomach yin for dry cough with scanty phlegm. So when the lung yin is deficient, we get those uh, cough with phlegm. And also for irritability and thirst, that's more of a stomach thing uh, for the dryness. And then with yuju, we also say it extinguishes wind and relaxes the tendons for wind generated by insufficient fluids leading to pain and spasm in the sinews. So this is something that we maybe talked about with blood deficiency as well, that if there's not enough blood nourishing the sinews, we can get, we can get either, we can call it an internal stirring of wind, or you can just say the sinews start to dry out and we get cramping and spasm and pain. So same thing here, that if there's not enough yin fluids nourishing the tendons or moistening the tendons, those tendons start to dry out and we get pain and spasm. Again, the, the image I use here is like, think about if you have a nice new rubber band, it's nice and stretchy and elastic, but if you leave that rubber band out in the sun for too long, it starts to dry out. And rather than being stretchy, it gets kind of brittle and it won't stretch, it'll just break. And that's kind of what's happening to your tendons. If they're not being nourished by blood or they're not being nourished by yin, they start to dry out and you get cramping, spasm, and pain. So that's what we're talking about with yuju, polygonati odorati rhizoma. So an important thing to remember, or at least this will be good to remember when, when you get into formulas, is Yuju, the older name for this is Wei Rei, which I think means like reed or it's the name of a plant. Uh, also goes by the name Wei Rei. And um, what's, what's also special about Yuju here is in tonifying lung and stomach yin and, and helping with these fluids and this cough and things like that, it can tonify yin but it's not very, it doesn't have that sticky and cloying property. And part of what that means is that if we have an external attack of wind heat and that heat is drying out the fluids, or if we have external attack of wind heat and the person already has some underlying yin deficiency, we can use yuju or wei rei to tonify the yin but it won't trap the pathogen in. That there are some other herbs that if they have this really heavy, sticky, uh, tonifying nature that when we get a, an external pathogen, that heavy stickiness will just trap the pathogen in or even drive it in deeper. Yuju or Wei Rei is special because it doesn't have that property. So it's very common to use this herb when we have dryness during a wind heat attack. So basically this one we'll use in, when we get to formula class, we'll talk about formulas that are for external attack of wind heat with underlying yin deficiency, which makes the heat even worse. We'll use yuju to tonify yin, but then we can still expel the pathogen at the same time. So that's the specialty of yuju, 
when we get to formula class, this is called Jia Jian Wei Rei Tong. And so you have to remember that Wei Rei is another name for Yuju Scented Solomon's Seal. And so the name Yuju means jade bamboo. So Yu means jade. Ju means bamboo. I think we've seen this, this word Ju a couple times before. Like um, Dan Ju Ye is bland bamboo leaf or Ju Ru from the phlegm heat category is bamboo shavings. So this is another thing that we name after bamboo. Yu, I'm not sure if we've seen the word jade before. This comes up in formulas, formula names a lot. So we have like jade windscreen powder or jade woman decoction. But um, but anyway, yu means jade. So jade bamboo, probably referring to the color. So that's yuju. Uh, with this one, I re would remember tonifies lung and stomach yin, but we can use it during a wind heat attack as well because it doesn't have that sticky cloying property. After that is by he lily bulbous. By he lily bulbous. This is lily bulb. So by he, what we want to know about this one is number one, it tonifies lung yin, and this is especially for cough. So we could say, sometimes we'll just say outright, it tonifies lung yin and stops cough, or tonifies lung yin to stop cough. So by he, I remember in tonifying lung yin, its specialty is cough. So we can see things like dry cough and sore throat, or for chronic cough, when there's heat in the lung that damages the yin, or heat in the lung starts to dry out the fluids, we'll end up with this chronic dry cough. So by he lily bulb, I would think of lung yin and cough. The other important thing to know here is that by he also has an action of clearing heart heat to calm shen. And so we say this is for irritability, restlessness, and insomnia, usually in the aftermath of a febrile disease. So this is a, another very important function of Bai He. And again, we're saying that like you had an external attack of wind heat. You had a febrile disease that penetrated through the six levels or penetrated through the four aspects. And it, uh, you, it dried out the fluids. It damaged the yin. And so you have some lingering heat. So even though you expelled the pathogen, the pathogen is gone. You have this lingering heat. And that lingering heat can start harassing the heart and causing Shen problems like irritability, restlessness, and insomnia. I feel like we may have talked about this before with um, back in the clear heat categories like uh, Jirtze, Gardenia fructus, was also for irritability in the aftermath of a febrile disease, or we said the same thing with Dondo Chur, bland, um, bland soybean. So we, we've talked about this idea before, but this one is important because it turns out Zhong Zhongjing had, uh, he had a disease that he specifically called Bai He Bing, or he called it lily disease. And so this is a disease that's named after Bai He. And so that's why it's important to know. And again, this is usually heat, lingering heat in the aftermath of a febrile disease that gets into the heart and has some very weird descriptions like the person wants to eat, but they don't eat. The person wants to get up and walk, but they don't walk. It's, it's, it's a weird type of Shen problems. We could just say irritability, restlessness, and insomnia in the aftermath of a febrile disease. But it turns out that we have a disease that's named after Bai He, so you should probably remember this function of Bai He. So um, we can prepare it. Um, so we say if we're um, 
if we want to calm the spirit, use the, the unprepared version of Baihu. If you really want to moisten the lung, you can uh, fr stir fry it in honey. Remember, honey is sweet in flavor. It has a moistening action. So when we stir fry it in honey, we're increasing its tonifying and moistening action. But if we're trying to clear heart heat, we probably want the unprepared version. So that way we're still getting a slightly cold herb. And so the name Bai He means hundred meetings. So the character or the Chinese word Bai, uh, when it doesn't have that line on top, I think it's fourth tone, Bai, Bai means white. And so we've seen that a lot before with like Bai Shao is white peony. But when it has that extra line on top, it becomes third tone, Bai, and that means hundred. And so we've seen this before with like Bai Bu means hundred parts, stimonii radics. Um, this is also the name of, uh, it's similar to the name of Du 20, which is uh, Bai Hui, 100 meetings. So that's just a word that comes up. But sometimes even though here Bai means, um, it means 100 in this case, to me it sounds similar to Bai as in white. And so the white color is associated with the metal face and the lung. So that's how I remember that Bai He is specifically good for tonifying lung yin, and specifically good for stopping cough. So by he, those are the two things we need to remember. Tonifies lung yin, especially for cough, but also clears heart heat to calm shen for the so-called lily disease, or by he bing. So that's by he. After that, we get into our herbs that are more about tonifying liver and kidney yin. So here we're going to talk about those uh, more liver and kidney yin symptoms where um, kind of more heat signs. We're talking about uh, night sweats, mal or flush, heat in the five centers, and then also things associated with liver yin deficiency as well. So our first one here is Mo Han Lian Ecliptai Herba. Mo Han Lian Ecliptai Herba. And so Mohan Lian tonifies liver and kidney yin for those liver and kidney yin things we talked about, like dizziness, blurred vision, and premature graying of hair. And so this is another one that's specifically as this action of darkening the hair. Remember, we talked about the same thing with Hushowu, Mr. Hu's black hair. Well, now we have another one that's good for um, premature graying of hair. You can think that um, the hair is the bloom of the kidney, so the hair is related to kidney essence. But then we also say that um, kidney essence and liver blood have a, are mutually engendering or they share the same source. So sometimes the hair is also related to liver blood as well. But anyway, tonifies liver and kidney in, especially for vision problems and especially for premature graying of hair. Besides that, Mohan Lian also cools the blood to stop bleeding. So for nosebleed, vomiting blood, or coughing up blood, blood in the urine, blood in the schools, or flooding and spotting. So if you remember back in the category herbs that stop bleeding, we talked about the different causes of bleeding. One of the causes of bleeding was heat. So if you have heat in the blood, that causes the blood to speed up. The blood can speed up so much that it begins to move recklessly or frenetically outside of the vessels. And so sometimes I think about like um, if stuff's going through a pipe and the pressure starts to build up, it starts to burst at the seams and the water is coming out of the pipe. That's kind of what we're dealing with here, that there's so much heat in there, it's bursting, it's bursting out of the seams of your blood vessels. So anyway, heat can cause bleeding and that can be excess heat or that can be deficiency heat. So here, if our liver and kidney yin deficiency is so great, we can start to get heat in the blood that causes bleeding. So that's what we're talking about with Mohan Lian Clipti Herba. And so this one, if we want it uh, to stop bleeding, we can specifically use charred Mohan Lian. We call it Han Lian Tan. 
So we, uh, Mohanlian also stops bleeding and we can use it in its charred form, uh, Hanlian Tan. And so a couple things about this is Mohanlian also very commonly goes by the name Hanlian Cao. Remember, Cao just means herb or grass. So Mohanlian is also called Hanlian Cao. I think this is, it's very common to use both of these names. Actually, in, um, in Bensky, he makes this point that Hanlian Cao, we should not use that term because it's very easy to get it mixed up with a different type of herb that's, that we don't want to use. However, it turns out on the NCCM herb list, they use the term Hanlian Cao. So if you're studying for boards, you might want to uh, take note of that, that uh, at least on NCCM boards, for some reason, they call it Hanlian Cao instead of Mo Hanlian. I would think that if they're following along with Bensky, if Bensky is one of their source texts, they should use the Bensky name, but just to be difficult, instead of Mo Hanlian, they use the term Hanlian Cao. And so... Um, Say Mohanlian, also called Hanlian Sao, is, is traditionally picked at the summer solstice. So we'll talk about that more later. But Mohanlian or Hanlian Sao, traditionally picked at the summer solstice. So for this one, I remember liver and kidney in, but also cools the blood to stop bleeding. And then next, very similar, a paired herb to Mohanlian is Nugenza, Ligustri lucidi fructus. Nugenza, Ligustri lucidi fructus. So this is, I believe, privet fruit. But anyway, Nugenza, very similar, tonifies liver and kidney yin. And here it has a couple applications that we can say it clears deficiency heat for things like fever, steaming bones, night sweats, those heat signs associated with uh, liver and kidney yin deficiency. Like the other one, it also uh, darkens the hair. So for premature graying of hair, or uh, sometimes we say blackens the hair and the beard. So... I think that's that's a, a kind of the Chinese phrase, so we know that we're not just talking about hair on the head, we're also talking about little grays in your beard as well. And then Nugenza, Mohanlian, we said it has, uh, it's good for blurred vision, but Nugenza, we, we, I think we, it's, it's a little bit stronger that we can outright say it brightens the eyes for, again, diminished visual acuity due to liver and kidney yin deficiency. So, again, we have a couple of Shurhu, very famous for this. Nugenza as well for brightening the eyes. And so, like we said, uh, Mohanlian and Nugenza are often used together as paired herbs. And so we say uh, Nugenza is picked at the winter solstice. So Mohanlian is at the summer solstice. Nugenza traditionally picked at the winter solstice. So we use these two herbs together and in a formula called Arjurwan two solstice pills. So it's these two opposite solstices that we're putting together. So very common to see these used as paired herbs, uh, Mohanlian and Nugenza. And the other thing that's special about these this pair is that these herbs, number one, their specialty is for blurred vision eye problems and for premature graying of hair like we saw in those functions. But the other specialty is these herbs tonify liver and kidney yin, but they can do it in a way that's not sticky or cloying. So it's, it's, it's much more mild. Notice our dosage is a little bit larger than normal. So it's more mild. You would take it more long term, but it doesn't have that sticky cloying property that we might have to worry about with herbs like shu di huang or things like that. So that's the other thing that makes Nugenza special. And this is a seed. So we crush it before decocting. And the name Nugenza means female chastity seed. I'm not sure why, how it got that name. Uh, nu, but Nu means female or woman. Z means seed. So Nugenza, 
female chastity seed. Next is Hadrama Sesame Semen Nigrum. Hadrama Sesame Semen Nigrum. This is black sesame seed. So the word hay means black. So black sesame seed, Hadrama, tonifies liver and kidney yin. And so this one, it can, for kind of all those things we talked about, but especially blurred vision, dizziness, and tinnitus by tonifying liver and kidney yin helps with those um, brings that nourishing yin up to the head and face for um, nourishing those sense organs for blurred vision, dizziness, and tinnitus. We can also say this is for recovery after an illness. If you are ill and you got weak, and especially if your yin was damaged, this is a nice way to tonify the yin. And we can also specifically say, Bensky at least specifically says that this is good for insufficient lactation. And so... I think this is something that we, we've talked, uh, we've seen before, that herbs that promote lactation or herbs that are for insufficient lactation. And basically, when we talk about insufficient lactation, there are kind of two patterns here. There's either, it's either stagnation or deficiency. Like there's stagnation, like the breast milk is there, but because there's stagnation, it's not coming out. Or we can have a deficiency condition where there's not enough blood, not enough yin to produce the breast milk. So we've learned some herbs before that do this, but I feel like these are mostly invigorating herbs that were treating the stagnation. So we had like mu tong, a kebia calls, or um, from the drain dampness category, or right next to it, tong sao. The word tong means to open, to unblock, so it's unblocking the flow of milk. We learned herbs like um, wang bu liuxing from the invigorate blood category. So Wang Buliyoshing, by invigorating blood, by taking care of that stagnation, that helps the breast milk flow. So when we talk about Hadrama, we're talking about insufficient lactation due to deficiency. So by tonifying yin, tonifying blood, it can help uh, with the uh, production of breast milk. Hadrama also tonifies blood and extinguishes wind. So for things like headache, dizziness, numbness due to blood or yin deficiency. And we may have talked about this in the tonified blood category, but here the idea, so one way we think about it is normally if you have a, a bun, an abundance of blood, that blood is there and it fills the vessel. But if you have insufficient blood or blood deficiency, the vessel is no longer filled. It's only like filled up halfway and that allows room for the wind to blow. So blood deficiency can be a cause of internal wind. So hadrama by tonifying blood, by filling the vessels with blood, we can extinguish that wind. So especially for things like headache, dizziness, or numbness in the extremities due to blood deficiency or yin deficiency. And then hadrama, because it's a seed, it moistens the large intestine for constipation due to dryness or due to blood deficiency. So of course, hadrama, it's a seed, it's oily, like you can crush it and get sesame oil. So hadrama is obviously oily. And so those oils can lubricate the large intestine to gently relieve constipation. And so this is another one that is very common to use in food therapy as well. So we kind of talked about this before with uh, he tao ren, walnut. So this is something that if you have a patient with constipation and maybe uh, they don't want to take uh, an herbal formula, maybe you could prescribe some of these nuts and seeds as food therapy. So you might have like a... I'm not really into kanji, but it's a lot easier to make oatmeal. So maybe you can make some oatmeal. You could put in some he tao ren, some walnut. You could put in some hadrama, some black sesame, and you could put in some honey. Um, and all of those things moisten the large intestine to gently relieve constipation. And on top of that, the the walnut is tonifying kidney yang. The hadrama is tonifying kidney yin. The honey is tonifying the spleen. So that can be a very nice food therapy thing for 
either general tonification or for moistening the large intestine. So Hadramaut is black sesame. And so basically when it comes to sesame, there's uh, there's white sesame and there's black sesame. And in cooking, I think it's more common to use white sesame seeds just because it tastes better. But medicinally, we like the black sesame. Again, you can think that black has to do with the water phase, the color of the kidneys. And so the black sesame seed is better at tonifying the kidneys. Um, here, notice that the dosage is, is quite a bit larger than average. So again, this is very common with food things that because it's a food, it's a little bit more mild in its action. So we need a larger dosage. And also, I'd say you should definitely crush before using. And this is another one that if you get like the whole black sesame seeds, crushing it with a mortar and pestle is very difficult. It's going to take you forever. Just get a coffee grinder and buzz it a few times in a coffee grinder and that can be a way to crush it. You can also get black sesame because it's become common as like a health food. You can actually order it online and it's already been crushed into a powder. And then we say it's usually used in food therapy. So I can I can think of one formula where hadromont is used as an ingredient in the formula, but generally it's much more common to see it used as food therapy. So again, you can make this into a congee. You can put it in your oatmeal. Sometimes even if you go to a Chinese supermarket, they have ones that it's already ground into a powder and you just add hot water and then they eat it like that for breakfast, like a just a ground sesame porridge. That one you have to be a little bit careful because sometimes you get those and they have a lot of sugar in them as well. So if you if you're not into the sugar, be careful and get the get the ones that don't have a lot of sugar. But Sometimes you'll see this already in a, in a powder or they'll mix uh, hadrama and hutauren together and make a powder so we can use it in food therapy. Um, and again, uh, if, you, if you get the raw sesame seeds, it's very common that you would want to toast them first in like a dry pan and then uh, do something to crush them. Either put them in a, if you have a small amount, put it in a coffee grinder. If you have a larger amount, you can put it in a food processor and that will uh, grind it up into a powder. Um, other places on the, um, YouTube channel, I have a, a recipe of black sesame balls. This, um, I think this is a common thing to mix black sesame and walnut together. But one of my teachers made a cookbook where, uh, you grind up black sesame, grind up walnut, and then put in just enough honey to have it form together. And then you can form it into little balls. And so that's another way, um, you could use this as food therapy, so again, it's uh, black sesame, walnut, and honey. So it's very good for moistening the large intestine. So that's good if you have constipation. If you do not have constipation, be very careful about how many black sesame balls you eat at one time because it will lubricate your large intestine. But that's another way you can take it in food therapy. So the name Hadramod just means black sesame. Again, hay means black. I'm not sure if we've learned a lot of other herbs with hay in the name. We have like Hado is black bean or Heimuar is black woody or mushroom. So I'm not I'm not sure if we if we learn any other herbs with hay in the name. Because also the, the word u means black as well. Like ume is black plung or um wu, Mr. Hu's black hair. Jerma just means sesame. Ma means hemp, but as a compound term, jerma means sesame. So hey jerma is just black sesame. If you wanted white sesame, you could say by jerma, but that's hey jerma, black sesame, very good for food therapy. And finally, we're getting into the turtle shell. So our first one is Guiban Testundinus plastrum. Guiban Testundinus plastrum. And this is freshwater turtle shell or specifically freshwater turtle plastron. 
So a little bit of turtle analogy, if you were, uh, if you've not been made aware of this. So turtles uh, have a shell, but they have a shell on top and they have a shell underneath. So the shell, their belly shell or the underneath shell is called the plastron, whereas the shell on their back is called the carapace. So I think the shell on the back also has their spinal column in it as well. So the ventral shell is the plastron, the dorsal shell is the carapace. When we say guaybon, we're talking about the plastron, the, the ventral shell, the, the underneath belly part of the turtle. So that's guaybon, freshwater turtle plastron. So guaybon tonifies yin and subdues yang. So this one, you can think about um, the turtle shell. On the one hand, it's tonifying yin, but a turtle shell is like a heavy mineral, so it weighs things down. So it's not only tonifying yin, it's anchoring that yang rising. So this can be for yin deficiency with liver yang rising or hyperactive ascent of liver, liver yang. So if there's not enough liver yin rooting things down, then the yang rises upwards. So we th see things like fever, night sweats, dizziness and tinnitus, or even steaming bone disorder, <clears throat> that your bones are steaming from all that yin deficiency heat. And sometimes when there's this yin deficiency and the yang rises up, it rises up so much that it begins to stir up internal wind. So we can use guaybon for yin deficiency, stirring internal wind as well for things like facial spasms or tremors in the hands and feet. So again, guaybon. Kind of the idea here is this is kind of like a doctrine of signatures thing that turtles, turtles are very yin. Turtles and tortoises are very yin. They're very slow and they live for a long time. So in China, people eat turtles to nourish their yin and to help them live for a long time. So tigers, tigers are more yang. They're very fierce and, and aggressive and very active. Whereas turtles are more yin. They move very slowly. But because they have such a slow pace of life, they live for a long time. And so this is kind of one of those things where we're tapping into that yin nature of a turtle or a tortoise to help tonify our yin. But we're using the shell. That shell is heavy and anchoring things downward as well. So that's what I think about with turtle shells specifically. We can also say guaybon tonifies kidney and strengthens the bones. So for bone wilting, your, your bones are weak and wilting. Uh, sore low back, um, delayed skeletal development. So when you talk about five delays in children, one of them you could have uh, delayed development in children or delayed closing of the fontanelles. So here you can think that this is turtle shell. This is a type of bone. So it's good for your bones, for strengthening your bones or for delayed development. And I know that this is the, the undershell of a turtle, but I often think about like closing of the fontanelles looks like the, like the turtle shell. So maybe that's the way you can remember it. So guaybon, good for strengthening the bones. And then guaybon also stabilizes menses and stops bleeding. So here we're talking about bleeding, but specifically lower jowl bleeding or bleeding due to instability of the ren and the chong. So for flooding and spotting or profuse menses due to deficiency heat. So again, one of our causes of bleeding is heat. When we have yin deficiency, that can cause heat. And when that heat gets into the lower jowl, it can cause bleeding conditions like profuse menses or flooding and spotting. And often when we have this type of bleeding in the lower jowl, we call this uh, an instability of the ren and the chong. The ren mai and the chong mai, the penetrating and conception vessels. So guaybon, again, by um, tonifying yin and clearing heat, it can help with these bleeding conditions as well. 
For this one, I was trying to think of a good way to remember this. At first, I was like, oh, this is the, the plastron, so it's the underbelly of the, it's the lower shell of the turtle, so it's good for a lower jowl, for bleeding in your lower jowl. I don't know if that makes sense. Then I was also thinking about like, oh, it's like you're, you're using a turtle shell as like a diva cup, so it's like a, you're, you're, you're stopping the bleeding that way. That's kind of weird, but maybe you'll remember. You're using a turtle shell like a diva cup. Good for flooding and spotting. And also tonifies heart, blood, too calm, shine, anxiety, insomnia, forgetfulness, and fright palpitations. And for this one, I just think of it as like, again, where Guaybon, its specialty is tonifying yin and clearing heat and anchoring things downward. So if we have that kidney yin deficiency heat, that heat can flare up and harass the heart. So by tonifying yin and anchoring things downward, we're getting that heat out of the heart. So that's what I think of with that one. This one, according to Bensky, it is contraindicated during pregnancy. There are other books that just say use caution with pregnancy, but Bensky says contraindicated during pregnancy. I'm not entirely sure why. I would imagine it just has to do with this anchoring nature, has a strong downward direction, and that might cause some problems during pregnancy. So this one, notice it's a heavy shell. It's a mineral, so the dosage is larger than average, 15 to 45 grams. And this one, we will cook for a longer time. So I think we've seen this before with other minerals and shells that you'll cook them for half an hour first, and then you'll add in the other ingredients and cook it for another half an hour. Just because shells and minerals, it takes longer to extract their medicinal properties. So we have to cook it longer. Uh, Guay means turtle or tortoise. I think it can mean either one. So I've had some people, they, they like to argue about is Guaybon turtle or tortoise. I'm not sure it matters. Gu the word Guay in Chinese can mean turtle or tortoise or it, kind of a weird story. Guay, it can also mean like a man who's been cheated on by his wife. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Apparently, um, Back in the day, if, if one of your family members was a prostitute, they would make you wear a green hat. And so now wearing a green hat is a, is a way of saying that your wife cheated on you. So if you, ever, if you ever visit China, do not wear a green hat. And if they start calling you a turtle, that's why. Um, but guay means turtle or tortoise. You can think about it like if you've seen the movie Kung Fu Panda, the turtle is called Uguay. And so that guay means turtle. And so that's what we're doing here is we're... We're eating Ugwe, um, so we can get his yin essence, and ban means plate. So a uh, turtle plate, it's the underbelly part of the turtle. And so for this one, I already remember, it's very good at tonifying yin because turtles are yin. It's very, also very good at clearing heat and anchoring things downward because it's a heavy shell or heavy mineral. You can also think it's a bone, so it strengthens the bones, and you can also think about stopping bleeding because you're bleeding on a turtle. So then it turns out with Guaybon, uh, like we talked about with Lu Rong, you can make it into a gelatin. We can also do the same thing with Guaybon. So if you take the Guaybon and you cook it into a gelatin, it's called Guaybon Jiao or uh, Guaybon Glue. So again, Jiao means glue or gelatin. And so this is just another way to make Guaybon uh, that it's um, – richer and more it's basically it's better at tonifying yin when you make it when you take this shell and then make it into a thick sticky substance it becomes better at tonifying yin but it's also more sticky and more cloying and more likely to cause um cause digestive problems so pretty much the same properties as guay bon. it's just now it's richer 
and more cloying and better at tonifying in. The dosage is in the normal range, nine, three to nine grams. And this is another one that because it's a gelatin, you'll want to, um, you don't cook it with the rest of the herbs. If you try to just cook it with the herbs, it'll either sink to the bottom and burn on the bottom of your pot or it'll, it'll get stuck to the other herbs. So this one, if we're making a medicinal wine, we can just put it in the alcohol and it will eventually dissolve in the alcohol. Or you would melt it separately or melt it into the strain decoction uh, after the other decoction has been prepared. But I just like to mention this one because you will see this come up in formulas that will use Guiban Jiao when they want to tonify yin. And this is also listed as a separate herb on the NCCM list. So we just need to know that Guiban Jiao is uh, turtle shell gelatin, better at tonifying yin. And then finally we have Bie Jia, uh, Trionychus Carapax. Bie Jia, Trionychus Carapax. And so this is a soft-shelled turtle shell, but it's the carapace. It's the, it's the dorsal shell, the back shell the, that looks like a bowl. So Bie Jia, soft-shelled turtle shell, but the carapace, the upper shell. So this one, very similar, tonifies yin and subdues yang. So again, turtles and tortoises, they're, very, they're kind of slow moving. They live for a long time. They're very yin, so we're stealing their yin essence. But it's also, even though it's a soft-shelled turtle, we still consider this like a hard mineral, so it's heavy and weighing things downward. So that's for a yin deficiency with liver yang rising, like we talked about before, and also for a yin deficiency stirring internal wind. So very similar to before. The difference here is Biejia also softens hardness and disperses clumping. So you can think that Biejia is soft-shelled turtle, so it's good for softening hardness. So we see things like abdominal masses, palpable masses during malaria. And here we're probably meaning splenomegaly, that when you have malaria, your I guess your spleen can get enlarged and you can start to palpate that. Kind of like when you have liver cirrhosis, you can feel your liver. If you have splenomegaly, you can feel your spleen. And accumulations causing amenorrhea. And so here I think Bensky even has an additional function where he talks about BHA invigorating blood to deal with abdominal masses, but still we're just talking about these palpable abdominal masses that you can feel them in the lower jaw and they can also, these concretions or conglomerations can also cause amenorrhea like severe stagnation. So to me, those two things go together that we're just softening hardness and dispersing clumping partially by invigorating blood. So that's kind of the, the difference here, um, Guiban and Biejia. So Guiban is better at tonifying yin, but Biejia is better at clearing heat and softening hardness. So that's one of the ways we can remember that if we're, if we're more interested in just tonifying the yin, might be better to go to Guiban. If we have those severe heat conditions like steaming bone disorder, it might be better to go to Biejia, but also Biejia because it's soft-shelled turtle, it softens hardness. This one is also contraindicated in pregnancy. The dosage is also larger than average, and you're also going to cook it first before you add the other ingredients. So Biejia means turtle armor, which I think is kind of a fun name for a, a turtle shell. So that's Biejia. And those are our herbs that tonify yin. So usually at the end here, I like to... Um, after we go through all the individual herbs, I'd like to go through a couple formulas where these herbs pop up just to kind of give us some context about how these herbs are used and maybe give us a little bit more information about the signs and symptoms associated with the indeficiency. It sometimes also lets us review some of the earlier herbs that we've already learned. So this is not meant to be a formula class, but here we're going to review a couple formulas just to give us a better idea of how some of these herbs are used. 
So the first one, um, our, our main formula for tonifying yin is called Liu Wei Di Huang Wan, six ingredient with Romania pill. Liu Wei Di Huang Wan, six ingredient with Romania pill. And this one is for kidney and liver yin deficiency. So all those things we talked about, soreness and weakness in the low back, lightheadedness, vertigo, tinnitus, diminished hearing. So there's not enough yin going up to the sensory or- orifices of the face. Night sweat, spontaneous or nocturnal emission. So again, this is a sign of kidney yin deficiency in men that when that heat builds up, it can cause the, cause the essence to move recklessly or frenetically, giving spontaneous and nocturnal emissions. We also have five center heat, heat in the palms and soles, chronic dry and sore throat or wasting and thirsting disorder. The tongue is red with little coat, red because of the heat, little coat because of the, the yin deficiency. The pulse is rapid and thin, rapid because of the heat, thin because there's not enough yin filling the vessel. So this is our main formula for liver and kidney yin deficiency. And the thing I want to point out here is there are no herbs from this category that are in this formula, which is kind of weird. We just learned this entire category of herbs that tonify yin, but it turns out our main formula doesn't use any of them. And this is just to remind you that Shudi Huang prepared Romania, which is the herb that we learned in the tonify blood category. Just remember that Shudi Huang tonifies blood, but also tonifies yin as well. So it's very common to see Shudi Huang in our formulas for yin deficiency. And then you can know some other herbs we learn here. Kind of what I want to point out here is you see over on the other side, mudan pi and zixie. So just remember that one of the functions of mudan pi is it clears deficiency heat. So that's why it's being used in this formula. And zixie has this kind of weird function of like settling ministerial fire. It sounds kind of weird, but basically we're talking about heat due to kidney yin deficiency. And that's an example of where it's coming up in this formula, Liu Wei Di Huang Wan, which is our main formula for tonifying yin. So, so far we've learned that our main formula for tonifying qi is Sujun Zetong for gentleman decoction. Our main formula for tonifying blood is Si Wutong for substance decoction. And now our main formula for tonifying yin is Liu Wei Di Huang Wan. So those are some good formulas to be familiar with as you go forward. Next, we have a formula called Dabu Yin Wan, Great Tonify the Yin Pill. Dabu Yin Wan, Great Tonify the Yin Pill. And so this is for yin deficiency, but don't let the name confuse you. It's also for flourishing fire. So when you see Dabu Yin Wan, it's very easy to think like, oh yeah, it's tonifying yin, of course. But we need to know that there's these extreme signs of heat that go along with it as well. So it's not just yin deficiency, it's yin deficiency plus heat. So this could be for steaming bone disorder. You have so much deficiency heat, it feels like your bones are steaming with afternoon tidal fever. So the fever rises like the tide. Night sweats, again, spontaneous emissions, irritability, and a sensation of heat and pain in the knees. Again, the kidneys govern the low back and knees. So with kidney indeficiency, we might see heat in the knees. Interesting here, the tongue is red with a little coat, but the pulse is rapid and forceful in the rear position. So normally with deficiency, we would see a deficient pulse, but here because we have this flourishing fire, the pulse is actually forceful in the rear position. And again, our main herb is Shu Di Huang to tonify yin, but then here we have Gui Ban, very good for tonifying yin, clearing heat, and anchoring things downward. And then what's also interesting we'll point out here is it also has Huang Bai and Jermu. So remember, this is a pair of herbs that are specifically good for clearing deficiency heat. Jermu is Anamorena rhizoma that we learned in the drain fire category, but it also clears deficiency heat. 
Huang Bai of Felodendri Cortex is in the damp heat category, clears damp heat from the lower jiao, but also clears deficiency heat as well. So this is a very important Wei Yao pair for clearing deficiency heat, Huang Bai plus Jiramu. And here's an, another example of it being used in cases of yin deficiency, so Dabu Yin Wan. Um, I don't have them here, but we do have other formulas that are specifically good for treating steaming bone disorder. So we have like Chingu San, which is cool the bones powder, and that's one that uses Bie Jia, the soft shell turtle shell. Remember, Bie Jia is better at clearing heat. But then we combine it with herbs from the, so we also combine it with herbs from the deficiency heat category as well. We have another one called Ching Hao Bie Jia Tang. So there's another one for steaming bone disorder. Uh, again, Bie Jia is tonifying yin and clearing heat. And then we just combine it with a bunch of our deficiency heat herbs like Ching Hao, Digu Pi, and things like that. Hu Huang Lian and herbs like that. So that's another application of our turtle shells. Here we have Arjirwan, two solstice pill. Arjirwan, two solstice pill. And so this was Nujenza and Mohan Lian. That one is, uh, Mohan Lian is picked at the summer solstice. Nujenza is picked at the winter solstice. So we put them together and it's called two solstice pill. And this is for liver and kidney yin deficiency. Uh, weakness and soreness of the low back and knees, dry and parched mouth, blah, blah, blah. Again, this is special because Nujenza and Mohan Lian are, they tonify yin, but they're not sticky and cloying. So it's not like those ones that Shu Di Huang and Gui Ban Jiao, where we have to worry about that rich, sticky, cloying nature causing digestive problems. These ones, a lot more gentle and tonifying yin, but they they don't have that sticky, cloying nature. So sometimes we'll just use this as formula modifications as well. And then the other thing is that these are especially good for dizziness and blurred vision, uh, treating eye problems. Uh, Nugenza, we said, specifically brightens the eyes. And it's also good for premature graying of hair. So it blackens the hair and the beard. So that's Arjirwan. That's how we use those two herbs. Here we have another one called Baihe Gujinwan, lily bulb decoction to preserve metal. Baihe Gujinwan, lily bulb decoction to preserve metal. So like the name suggests, Baihe, lily bulb, is good for tonifying lung yin, preserving metal. We're talking about the metal element in the lung. But this formula, it's for lung dryness with some underlying kidney yin deficiency as well. So here we're tonifying the yin of the lung and the yin of the kidneys. So we have coughing with blood streaked sputum. When the lung dries out so much, it gets dried and cracked and starts to bleed and you're coughing up blood, wheezing, dry and sore throat. But then we also see hot palms and soles and night sweats. Those are signs of kidney yin deficiency as well. So here we have some herbs from that we learned in this category like Bai He, specifically good for tonifying lung yin. Mai Mendong was good for lung and stomach yin. And then um, we can also point out some other herbs in here. Notice that we have both Sheng Di Huang and Shu Di Huang. This is kind of interesting. We may have talked about this before where we said Sheng Di Huang, unprepared Romania, is good for tonifying in, but it's more good for generating body fluid. So it's good for that lung and stomach yin deficiency. Whereas Shu Di Huang, prepared Romania, tonifies yin, but it's tonifying kidney yin, kidney essence. So it's good for those kidney things. So here, since we're dealing with both lung yin deficiency and kidney yin deficiency, we use a combination of Sheng Di Huang plus Shu Di Huang to take care of both. You can see over there we also have uh, Xuan Shen is from the cool the blood category. So it's good for 
Um, one, it's good for throat conditions. Remember, Schwann Shen is scrofularia erratic, so it's good for like this sore throat, dry and sore throat. Schwann Shen is also good for bleeding due to heat, so for that coughing up blood, Schwann Shen is also good. Chuan Bei Mu, also from good, it's from the phlegm heat category, so it's good for that coughing up thick sputum. So those are some other herbs that we learned that you might want to review. Then we have a formula called Maimandong Tong. Of course, it has Maimandong in it. Um, so this is for deficiency heat from the stomach that goes up into the lung and scorches the lung in. So we start off with this stomach heat, this hunger, thirst, a lot of stomach heat. That stomach heat goes up into the lung and starts scorching the lung. So we get respiration problems like coughing, wheezing, shortness of breath, difficult to expectorate sputum. Um, so here we're using uh, Maimandong because it tonifies both lung and stomach yin. Here we have Renshen in there, because remember Renshen, we said, has, has this uh, moistening quality. Here, maybe we, in modern times, we might substitute in Xiangshen instead. So Xiangshen might be more appropriate for this formula in terms of tonifying lung yin, and it's more, it's cool in temperature. So for this one, it might be more appropriate to use Xiangshen instead of Renshen. So that's another thing we can talk about. But then if we do a, a summary of these herbs, um, first we have our herbs that tonify lung and stomach yin. So we started out with sha shen, that's good for lung and stomach yin. And remember we had two types, we had the bei sha shen and the non sha shen. Um, one is better for um, tonifying stomach yin fluids, uh, non sha shen a little bit better if there's cough with phlegm. Uh, Maimandong tonifies lung and stomach yin, but remember it also has this action of clearing heart heat as well um, for certain Shen problems. And Maimandong also moistens the large intestine to relieve constipation. Xiang Shen was our American ginseng, so it tonifies qi like ginseng does. But unlike Ren Shen, Xiang Shen is cooler in temperature. It's better at tonifying yin. And so Xiang Shen also tonifies yin, specifically lung yin as well. Tianmendong uh, tonifies lung yin and tonifies kidney yin. So I think of Tian, uh, heaven, like post-heaven essence. I think of the kidney. So Tianmendong tonifies lung yin and kidney yin as well. Whereas Shihu tonifies stomach yin and kidney yin. So Shihu, I might think of the S means stomach. So Shihu is for stomach yin, but also kidney yin. Shihu also has a good action of brightening the eyes for eye problems due to liver and kidney yin deficiency. Yiju was our scented um, Solomon seal. Yiju tonifies lung and stomach yin, um, but especially if, if we have a wind heat attack, then we can, um, that's drying out the fluids or there's some underlying kidney yin deficiency, we can use uh, Yiju to support the yin, but it won't interfere with that process of expelling the pathogen. So that's one of the main ways we see use it's also called Wei Rui. Bai He is lily bulb, so Bai He, I think here Bai means 100, but you can think Bai also means white, so lily bulb is good for lung yin specifically, so Bai He tonifies lung yin, and it also clears heart heat to take care of certain types of Shen problems, irritability, restlessness, and insomnia in the aftermath of a febrile disease, we call that lily disease, so it's probably good to know that Bai He also clears heart heat to calm Shen problems. And then we have our herbs that tonify more liver and kidney yin. So our first two were Mohan Lian and Nujenza. And so these tonify liver and kidney yin. They're especially good for uh, eye problems, vision problems, and they're especially good for darkening the hair and blackening the beard. 
Um, I would just also remember that Mohan Lien additionally has an action of stopping bleeding, and there we can use it in its charred form if we want to. Hedrama is black sesame, so this is tonifying liver and kidney in. Um, for all for, for all the things, it's also Bensky specifically mentions it's good for promoting lactation. It also tonifies blood as well, especially if there's uh, blood deficiency is stirring up internal wind. And because it's a seed, it moistens the large intestine. Then we have our two turtle shells, Guiban and Bieja. So both of them are turtle shells, so they're very good at tonifying yin, but because they're heavy minerals, they're good at weighing things down. So they're good for yin deficiency with liver yang rising. Either we have uh, heat signs in the upper body because the liver yang is rising, or we can have wind signs. When that liver yang rises up, it can stir up internal wind. So both of those are good for that. Uh, Guiban is also good for bleeding conditions like profuse menses, um, and they're both Contraindicated into preg pregnancy. Bieja also tonifies yin, subdues liver yang a little bit better at clearing heat. And Bieja is soft shelled turtle, so it's good for softening hardness, like abdominal masses. And so those are our, um, oh, and both of them are contraindicated during pregnancy. So that is our category, herbs that tonify the yin. That is the last section in our very large category of tonifying herbs. So we're done with that category. And what we've been doing here is we've been going through each category and going through the category and the herbs in a lot of detail. So this is great if you're currently in an herbology class and you're seeing this information for the first time. But if you're taking a large test like finals or year ends or boards and you want to review all of the herbs, then maybe you can check out the single herb review course. There's a link to that below. A single herb review course, which is on Teachable. And so this is a course that goes over all of the herbs and it just hits on the key points with each herb. So you can see we start out with some basics like the properties of herbs, taste, temperature, entering channel, uh, things that you'll need to know about boards like the 18 incompatible herbs and the 19 antagonisms, things like that. Um, we go over herb categories. One of my biggest test-taking strategies is you need to know the category of each herb. So we go over that. And then we just go through each category of herbs. And you can see here, these videos are a lot shorter than what we're doing here because we're just going through and we're hitting on the key points of each herb. So for each category, we have a, a video where you can see I'm even wearing the same shirt because I only own two different shirts. So we go over the properties of the category and then we just hit on the key features of each herb. So this is a much more efficient way to review a large number of herbs. And then you can also download the audio in case you're on the go and you're just at the gym or going for a walk. You can listen to the audio. And then for each one, there's a practice test as well. Um, at the end of each module, there's also a larger mixed uh, mixed questions as well. So there's there's a lot of tests. So B syndrome, Duho, you should probably know that's good for B syndrome in the lower body. So you can go through and test yourself. And then at the very bottom, we have some bonuses where we go through uh, the Shanghan Lun and Wen Bing herbs. And so you can review Shanghan Lun, Wen Bing. We go over the, the secondary functions of each herb. So we group all the herbs together like these are the herbs that calm restless fetus. These are the herbs that brighten the eyes, things like that. Some of the things we talked about in this category. Um, we have our herb ID test and herb quality criteria. So if you're taking a, an exam that has herb ID, you can practice that. If you're on boards, they've been getting, I've been hearing from people that they get questions about the quality criteria of herbs. So we have a handout about that as well. 
So again, if you're um, studying for one of those big tests like finals, year ends, or boards, you want to um, learn all the material in an efficient way, check out that HERB course. One of the questions I've been getting a lot on this one is uh, how long do you have access to the course or does the course expire? And the answer is no. When you sign up for this course, you own it forever. There, it's not a subscription. It's not limited access. You don't you aren't kicked out after six months. I'm kind of big into the idea of when you buy something, you should own it forever. And so that's what we're doing in this course. And so kind of the idea here is if you're in your uh, first year of herbology, you can buy the course now and you can use it to help you study for finals. When you get to your year ends, you can use it to study for year ends. When you get a second year end, you can use it again to study for second year ends. And when we get to boards, you can go through it again to study for boards. So the idea is um, you can buy it once and it will be multi-purpose and you can own it forever. So Go ahead and check that out if you want to. Uh, but that's it for this one. I think the next one we're in, I'm not sure if we're herbs that calm the spirit. We'll see you in the next one, next category, whichever category it happens to be. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time.